Okay. Show me. Sometimes that is better. Welcome to the Prairie Land Paranormal Podcast. Be sure you never, ever scream. A podcast where we will explore the dark corners of our world, the weird, the creepy, and the strange. There are no accidents, no coincidences. I am your host, Eric Carrier. The boogeyman is real. And they must be coming at night. My co-host is Jessica Carrier. Thank you for joining us for a journey into the unknown. Be one of us. Let's get started with today's show. Hey guys, welcome to the show. This is the Prairie Land Paranormal Podcast and I am your host, Eric Carrier. I'm here as always with my wife and my co-host, Jessica. Jessica, what do we have in store for our listeners today? Today, we are joined by Marcus and Vic. These guys are paranormal investigators, YouTubers, and podcasters. Their shows, One Candle Society and Talking with Shadows, specialize in stories of the paranormal that are truly obscure and weird. They are here to take us down some paranormal rabbit holes that even we have never heard of. If you are a new listener and you are here for the first time, welcome. If you've been around for a while, welcome back. We know that there are a lot of podcasts out there that are competing for your time, and we are grateful that you are giving that time to us. If you would like to support our podcast, there are a few ways that you can do that. Number one, please share or keep sharing the show. Number two, please keep voting for us in the Paranormal Top 25 and as the best new paranormal podcast of the year. Both contests are sponsored by Paranormality Magazine, and you can vote for us at www.paranormalitymag.com. Number three, check out our merch store. Number four, consider leaving a tip. And number five, come hang out with us on social media. We have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and we love to hang out and meet you guys there. All of those accounts and our merch store can be accessed through our website at www.prairielandparanormalpodcast.com. Jess, is there anything else? Nope. Okay, let's get started with today's show. All right, folks, we would like to welcome you to our show today. Today we have a a couple of very interesting guests. We have uh, Vic and Marcus with us. Together, this dynamic duo makes up what's called the One Candle Society, and we are really uh, happy to have them on our show today. So, Vic and Marcus, welcome. Yes. Salutations, guys. Yeah, thank you for having us. We super appreciate you inviting us onto the show. No, we are super excited to have you guys. Uh, we actually love your guys' show, and we listen to it uh, quite a bit. Thank you. And thank uh, you. love that you guys cover some really obscure stuff, and uh, we'll get into some of that obscure stuff in this interview today. Yeah, that's kind of become our bread and yeah, butter. Yeah, yeah, we, we like getting into the we like getting into the weird stuff. That's the fun. That's the reason people get into the paranormals for the weird stuff. No doubt, that's what got us into it. Weird stuff and weird experiences. But you go for the rare weird, the stuff that not everybody knows about, and I and I like that a lot. Well, it's not often you get to talk about giant snapping turtles. Yeah, I mean, or you know, <laughs> or weird toxic squids that are swimming around in, in ooze and stuff like that. And to be fair, this is you can't talk about some of this stuff at work, can you? I'd be like, some of your day job, we have to keep this really cool stuff that we know it to ourselves. 
This so, is, I mean, it just drives so many of us to end up doing paranormal podcasts. This is exactly. stuff you can only talk about on podcasts. Yes. Yeah, you talk about it outside of podcasting. Uh, people are going to look at you really weird. <laughs> I think you'd be surprised, oh, though. I really think you'd be surprised. If you start talking about some of the stuff, there are people who have a story. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. You know, and sometimes you even run into to, to some people that even know some cool stuff in the panel. And sometimes it de-escalates situations. Like me and Vic both worked at an inpatient psychiatric hospital for a very long time. And one day, this patient who's very actively psychotic just comes out screaming about like elites meeting in the woods, worshiping a giant owl, burning people um, and burning effigies of people. And he's screaming about this. And I'm like, oh, man. And people think that he's just making this stuff up. He's actively psychotic. And I have to go up to him. I'm like, look, man, I get it. I, I know what Bohemian Grove is, too. But I got to tell you, man, you're scaring the normies. <laughs> okay, okay. I get it. I uh, know. I feel people should be concerned about this, but they're just not going to get it, man. You got to yes. gotta turn it down. But I, but I get you. Did I see it, you. I hear your truth. Did it work? <laughs> yes. Good. Yes. Yeah, good. He's like, oh, good. Some of those, I'm not crazy. I'm like, I don't think you're crazy. I'm just, you're just yeah. freaking the normies out. They're just not going to get it. Perfect. So Vic and Marcus, how do you guys actually know each other? How'd you guys get together? Oh God, we met way back in the day, back in college. We were yeah. actually, uh, assigned to be roommates and we didn't like each other for a no, while we no we didn't <laughs> but eventually we started kind of hanging out and we realized we were both real dorks and yeah. we've been friends for how long now like 16 years we bonded over magic the gathering because ah. we're super cool yeah. well, i think vic was just playing with some magic the gathering cards one day and then i'm like oh man i love magic the gathering too and then we just we just both got into it yeah who doesn't I bond just, over magic yeah. the gathering come on exactly <laughs> the magic is friendship so tell us what the uh, the One Candle Society is. So it started with yep. uh, me and uh, a friend of mine, Adam Mathers, who still works in the field of the paranormal out of Indianapolis now. Me and him started going out doing investigations and things like that. And uh, we started our whole uh, little case file thing then. And eventually we started moving to also uh, doing YouTube stuff along with our investigations. And now we kind of just do both. Adam has... Like I said, he had moved away to Indianapolis. Marcus uh, is an excellent personality to have working on mm. here. And he's actually gotten really into the field research, too, now. And oh, yeah. It's kind of just gone on like that. Yeah. And, and we started doing YouTube. We started doing YouTube stuff. And I want to say, what was it, 2014, 16? Oh, wow. Well, yeah, it was whenever we started putting out, uh, like, YouTube videos. We were just talking about just something random in the paranormal. But the two of us were always on. And people just said, you guys sound like a podcast. You should do a podcast. Oh, and check this out. Before the podcast started, before the YouTube thing started, uh, Marcus had actually not had a paranormal um, mm -hmm. encounter up to that point. Not a real, not a real one that you would say is a real yeah. true paranormal experience. You but know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've had multiple, I've had multiple paranormal you experiences. You opened the door. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And then we started the, our, our podcast, Talking With Shadows, in 2019. October of 2019, when we launched our first episode uh, to do that, where it was a lot more fun, casual, free-flowing, longer, and, and whatnot. And we just uh, need to do something different. We had been yeah. recording YouTube videos for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's just, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, fun. it's a lot of fun. And, you know, we, we, we like bonding over because we, we ended up finding that we would have, like, we would do like a YouTube uh, episode. And they, when you first look at our episodes, they're always like seven minutes, 11 minutes, 10 minutes, 
seven minutes. Like, and as time goes on, they're just getting longer and longer and longer because you're just <laughs> getting more to say. And eventually, they're just getting yeah. hour long. Episodes. Yeah, they were just yeah. they were like forty minute episodes. We're like, dude, yeah, then we just we decided to podcast on it, which is the best way to do it. So, do you guys like YouTube or the podcasting better? Uh, they got like their advantage a little more. I, I like, I like, we like YouTube. Well, I like YouTube because it's a little less editing with mm-hmm. all of the, the the pictures and stuff that w- that went along with that. The YouTube's fun in that you get to put up like cool pictures and animations sometimes that we would do and stuff like that too. But the the fun part that we like about the podcasting is getting to bring on guests. That 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 all, that part really started when we just started doing the podcast. That took off. Where can people find you guys at uh, if they're uh, looking yeah. for your show? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, one of the easiest places to find us, and probably where people find us the most, is on YouTube. Uh, one Candle Society. It's like our brand name. If you type that in, um, not the number one, it's the word one. Uh, one Candle Society that pops up our YouTube channel. Uh, and then, if you want to check out our podcast, Talking with Shadows, you can find all of our episodes of our podcast on YouTube. Um, but we're available on all major platforms: iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, any of those. Uh, you know, Google Play, any of those, they can find us there. Mm-hmm. All of our, all of our. Uh, podcast episodes are on there where did you come up with the idea of the name for one candle society it sounded scary <laughs> <laughs> i'm just i'm, I'm, I'm kidding okay, that's great. and just out of curiosity how many people does it take to become a society <laughs> who <laughs> we, we we've grown over the years but it started with two and it was me and adam mathers in a pizza place Sitting in the shadiest corner, <laughs> trying to figure out like a idea of uh, what we wanted to be called. And I don't really remember how we landed on One Candle Society, but I think it probably was just because we both thought it sounded cool. I think it sounds cool, too. I think you guys nailed it. And uh, talking with Shadows was we came up with that name. Uh, after going through a long list and almost coming to blows several times. Oh, that's something that fights. we do a lot. <laughs> almost fight a lot. And uh, so you're very passionate about it. We're not the only And then we lay, yeah. And then you guys, you guys understand. Yes. <laughs> and um, we, we came up with the idea of talking with, named Talking with Shadows. It's like what we're saying. It. It's the conversations everybody has, but nobody wants to admit to. Mm-hmm. One thing that we learned whenever we got into the paranormal, when we first started, was we really wanted to be, um, like anonymity like marcus and vic's not our real names there's pen names that we use because we were real scared that was going to affect our our actual careers um and then what we started realizing was even skeptical people would always just be like yeah you know i don't believe in the paranormal or anything like that but let me tell you the story (laughs) 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 every single person is almost like has some sort of weird paranormal experience that they they just can't explain yeah everybody but they don't believe in it yeah, but they don't believe. Yeah. Uh, of course not. Except for you this know. one situation. <laughs> you know. But everything else is fucked. Yeah, yeah. they can ride all the way. So one of the things that we really liked about your channel was that you covered a lot of really obscure stuff. I mean, things that we had not even heard about. And when you're in the paranormal world and you run across something you haven't heard about before, you get pretty excited about that. Right. What would you guys say is kind of uh, you guys can answer this separately if you want, but what would you consider to be kind of the most obscure thing that you've covered or uh, the strangest thing that you've covered? I, I got one. Uh, probably some of the most difficult stories to track down mannequin people. Mm. Yeah, that was a challenge right Ma- there. Mannequin people was one. I, I came upon a couple of stories of people having these encounters where they would see just people just out in the world. And they'd either blink or they'd look back or maybe they'd notice for the first time and they would be just be replaced by like moving mannequins. 
that was definitely one of the strangest, some of the strangest stories that I've found and some of the hardest ones to track down. Uh, moving mannequins as in like a mannequin yeah. that would just yeah. like move its arms weird or. Yeah. Like, no, like one person was uh, describing a person that was, uh, no, they, they turn into like those mannequins you see at the mall. Yeah. Like with like the mannequin's face, but one was one was driving a car. That was one story that we had where we saw that. Another one was a guy who was like a either a construction worker or a gardener. He was doing some kind of work on sign, and the person saw that. That and that's that's just creepy on a whole bunch of different levels. You know, first of all, mannequins oh, yeah. are just creepy on their own. Yeah, but then because actually yeah. doing things. You know, it's like one of those things of like when you're a kid, and you know, it's like one of the very first things that you're like you're you're sort of like suspicious of of like do they move? Like here at the mall yeah. or whatever, and you're just watch them like i know that that one just moved like it's 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 one of those i think that's why it speaks yeah. to a lot of people that have watched that episode vic <laughs> do you have a uh, favorite experience or favorite story let's see probably my favorite thing that we've talked about on the channel at least would be the harlequin mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. one was a real real research nightmare just trying to find <laughs> these weird stories because the things you're not looking for a paranormal element at that t- point you're looking for a paranormal individual <laughs> yeah and there those the stories involving the harlequin are so obscure and so hard to latch onto there's like two stories that you can get really easy and everything else is just pulling research teeth out we understand that what we really is do. the harlequin the harlequin is a face sort of harlequin dressed creature that basically seduces kids away from their home and kind of lures them out. But there'll also be this period where it just exists in the home, causing chaos, where it's moving things around, but only one person can see it. But the whole family's responding to it, even though it doesn't seem that they can see it. It's an extremely <laughs> peculiar case. We haven't talked about it in a long time, although I found a little more research on the Harlequin, so mm-hmm. we should actually revisit it. Mm-hmm. It's definitely one. It's probably one of our favorites. I think it was the beginning of like season two, like for the YouTube channel. That was one of the first ones that we did was that one. Yeah, like for the longest time, we were trying to analyze what the origin of the Harlequin was, and we could never find it. But we recently, or I recently tracked it down to it being this actual, the somewhat demonic creature hmm. associated with the Wild Hunt. And then it evolved over the years. It was a specific character associated with the Wild Hunt long ago that was demonic, who evolved into a mainstay in French plays, who then evolved into the character of the Harlequin. So... Oddly enough, you know, we have this paranormal entity deemed that name. There's also mythology backing it now. Mm-hmm. And we still argue to this day about whether or not if, like the killer clown phenomenon is connected to the Harlequin. It's like people's mm-hmm. stories. They would see like clowns outside their rooms and stuff, mm-hmm. yep. which I yep. think it is. Vic's kind of. I'm on the fence. <laughs> yeah, he's on the yeah. fence. But I, I'm pretty I'm pretty convinced that, that it's connected. It's similar. Well, clowns, they are they're creeping themselves. To me, they're creepy because. Their facial expressions are fake. Mm-hmm. I don't, that that really bothers me. Something that mm-hmm. you know may look happy and it's not, or may look sad and it's not. That that really bothers me and that scares mm-hmm. me. I've always been scared of of clowns since I was oh. young. Yeah, yeah, I have a phobia of clowns. I can't yeah. get near them. Yeah, yeah they they they're, they always like ex- accentuates like some form of grotesqueness about mm-hmm. humanity, and it's it's weird like how some like. You know, and it's like different features will be like either they're like really fat or they're just smiling like yeah, more, more than they should. And feet. it's very creepy. Yeah, it's it is. I don't like that. I, you know, as a little child, I hated clowns and I would just going to the circus. That was just a nightmare. It's like, why There's, would you want why would you want to see that? <laughs> that is horrible. <laughs> I've never had a fear of clowns. My problem is I have a fight reflex when it comes to fear of clowns. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where I remember one time I was grocery shopping. 
And I was about to leave and out front, there were some clowns out there working for charity. And that was the only exit I could find. And I'm like, someone get a store manager. He's like, can't you just run by there? I'm like, yeah, but I'm afraid I might hit one. Yeah. He's like, you got to find me a different exit, man. I'm not trying to cause trouble here. I just don't want to hit somebody. Go out the fire exit. <laughs> he took me out the back of the store. But seriously, who crams clowns around the exit of their store? Yeah. And who who thinks that kids want to see clowns anyways? I've never had a child that's been like, oh, yeah, I want to go see the clown. It's more like hiding behind me, not, not wanting anything to do with it. So one of the really obscure things that we ran across on your YouTube channel was the oil pit squid. Yep. Yep. And that has quickly become one of my favorites. So let's talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, the oil pit squid is, in my opinion, I think one of the coolest cryptid stories to come out of India. And I'm trying to think of like what are the some of the most like I think one of the people try to claim that like the coolest cryptid story is like the beast of Busco, like that large snapping cool. turtle that's up there. Yeah, whatever. It's just like turtles. But I think the little pit squid story is just way weirder. And it's not a story that a whole lot of people know about. And I think on purpose was that and truthfully, I believe that this story was just kind of buried on purpose. It it takes place on it's November 15th, 1996, Anderson, Indiana. If you don't know where Anderson, Indiana, it's like a it's like a little north of Indy. It's like it's like a manufacturing town that's like out there. Okay. And there's a plant there, uh, Delphi Interior and Lighting, and they're a subsidiary of GM. And uh, they have like different plants that are there. And in one of their plants, Plant Nine, one day while the workers are working on cleaning up some like toxic sludge ooze from some of the cleaning chemical byproducts that they have, they noticed in one of the vats that there was a couple of these six to eight inch grayish reddish like squid creatures swimming around in the ooze and it obviously freaks everybody out so like this is a big to do everybody comes up everybody comes out to it and the story goes that what the plant management did is they end up killing one of the the squids and they put it in a jar and then they clean up the rest supposedly including according to the story of life it's hard to know what happens to the other squids but like they put one in a jar and the jar is supposedly kept, and they're in the plants like, we're going to send it off, we're going to find out what this is. Well, the jar goes missing, and nobody knows what happens. So, did it go missing before they sent it off, or after they sent it off? It disappeared yeah. from the desk before yeah. Yeah. it yeah. was supposed to be sent so, off. Allegedly, okay. yeah. yeah. And so, the the the, the jar disappears, uh, there's a big to-do about it in the paper, word gets out, uh, the plant gets inspected several times after that by the epa and the whole plant is under like huge scrutiny for them finding this weird like like these creatures because it's, it's made it makes all the papers like in the area and the plant comes out and says that oh no no we didn't find any actual creatures that was swimming around and it wasn't actually a squid or anything they what they said that what it was was some water leaked into the to the vats and it caused this weird like bacteria growth to form that was moving around in the ooze. There was no cryptids or anything like that. There was no, there was no monsters or anything that was swimming in this <laughs> No ooze. actual creature. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. That almost sounds like some kind of evolution type thing where you have bacteria that turns into a creature that swims yeah. around. That's one of the things I've always thought about it is, you know, bacteria can have cilia that look kind of like tentacles. It's one of those things I've always kind of puzzled over is could this be some form of bacteria that survived in there, mutated of the car- the carcinogens that were in the area, end up surviving on the minor caloric value of uh, oil, and 
somehow mutate into something that's actually very large. If I remember right, the largest normal uh, microbe is barely visible by the human eye. Yeah. But this thing would have to have mutated in such a way to have been huge. <laughs> yeah. So translate that. Thousands no. of years. <laughs> <laughs> I just translated that for a guy. And I'm in square speak. I, I mean, no. I would say possible. <laughs> I would say possible, but maybe unlikely. Right. This has classic midnight horror movie written on it you know yes. it's like it's like godzilla or the creature from the black lagoon you know where they come in contact with toxic material and they develop into this huge creature it's it's a very cool story this isn't material that normal biological creatures can survive on we're talking like no. paint stripper yeah. and oil and you know we're not antifreeze yeah, yeah. antifreeze this isn't something that you would normally grow something like if you know in a petri dish, it would kill it. So, <laughs> yeah. and bacterial colonies can be very finicky when they want to. There's been more than a few times I've cultivated them, and <laughs> most bacteria, if you're not careful with it, you'll have a full collapse of the colony, and you'll end up with just nothing. You sound like a Saturday morning cartoon villain when you say that, man. You know, I was cultivating these like bacteria in this petri dish for fun. Just saying, you know, I was just doing it. Don't and we I inhaled all? some too much. It became like a really crappy version of male poison ivy. Nobody wants to hang out with. <laughs> like bacteria is expensive. If you're going to buy it, it's just easier to grow your own. You said like this close to something like a botched like DC villain origin story, like right there. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I said it before, and I'll say it again. <laughs> when you so, said that, do we know what was in this pit? I mean, do we know they, what, what okay. chemicals were potentially in there? So it's hard to say particularly what might have been in there. There's a lot of cleaning, uh, like a really lot of like hazardous cleaning chemicals that these guys could have been having to clean up at the time. Um, I can definitely tell you that it's 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 stuff that if there's stuff leaking into this or if they're disposing of it properly. I mean, this is 1996, man. No plant wants a Clinton EPA agent showing up right. at their door saying you might not be disposing of your or cleaning up your cleaning your chemicals properly. But no, this is but it's it's definitely not something that that is. And and one of the weirdest parts of the story is definitely like what happens after this. Yes. Because what happens after this is they build a fence around plant nine. And what did they build around that fence? Uh a private security force. And what did they build around that? Uh a order that says nobody is allowed to go into this place, including the plant manager. Wait, wasn't there a second fence at some point? I don't know. If there was a second fence, but oh, I thought there was a second. That, that's not the cool. You're interrupting my cool story. Surrounded <laughs> by fence is cool story. You know someone's hiding something if they put it behind two fences. Anyway, back to back to the cooler part <laughs> of the story. I'm pretty I'm sure sorry. there were two fences. There may have been. Anyway, they essentially GM contracts an independent security team that stands outside this fence, and they don't let anybody inside that's not supposed to be in there, including the plant manager, which is really, really weird. Mm -hmm. My my father was one of the people that worked at the plant and he came to work at the plant shortly after um, a couple of years after this all went down. And he it was like he was one of the like the the plant managers and what like he was one of the, the managers in the area. And it's really it was just super weird that they let literally just n almost nobody into this building. That just validates it. I mean, they could have oh, said... Oh, yeah, that they were trying to hide something. Yeah, they could have said, oh, well, you know, all the chemicals caused hallucinations. You know, there's nothing wrong. But when you close everything down, you know, have a security force, it validates that there's something else going on. It certainly makes it sketchy. Oh, yeah, absolutely, 100%. But the big question is, of course, 
what was it? Yeah. Anyone got any cool thoughts? <laughs> I think that uh, GM created some primordial ooze and they just uh, <laughs> you know, started life, man. <laughs> he found the right, the right chemicals that kicked off the explosion of life on Earth. <laughs> they accidentally recreated it. It's, you know, it's not real unusual to think of, uh, you know, animals, uh, creatures living in really strange types of environments. I mean, there's multiple types of worms that you can find in um, the Pacific Ocean specifically, you know, sulfide worms, Pompeii worms. These worms live in some of the harshest environments known to man. You know, they live in the vents of volcanoes. They can survive up to several hundred degrees worth of uh, like 570 degrees Fahrenheit. And these organisms, they actually flourish in that type of environment. It's not real unusual to think that, you know, maybe something could have been growing in this, what we would think of to be a toxic pit, but to them is an environment where they would thrive. Oh yeah, I'm a firm believer in that there is no such thing as a climate too adverse for life to eventually adapt to. I think that no matter what was in here, it's not impossible for something to have generated within there or been able to sustain itself or possible for something to have gotten in there and ended up getting mutated. I think at the end of the day, we can all agree that no matter what it was, this sounded like a way better script for Teenage Mutant <laughs> Ninja Turtles 3 than what they, than what they came up with. Yeah, I'm going to be disappointed I'm just when I find out it was just a rat. <laughs> like they just fell into it and just mutated <laughs> with the weird tentacle association of weirdness involving uh indiana and parts of northern kentucky mm-hmm. yes, yes uh we ohio. are actually octopus ohio river or ohio valley octopus yeah mm-hmm. and the ones at the falls of ohio and the octopi men yeah Ooh, i haven't heard about the octopi men what are the octopi Oh, no, no, no. I don't know. I'm saving that one for later. And it's a gym I've been looking. I've been trying to get Marcus to let me talk about Octopi Men on our channel for a while. And I'm not going to I'm not going to spill the beans here if he's not letting me there. I I will. You, I will let you talk about octopus people. If you let me talk about spontaneous human combustion because you won't let me do it. Wait, wait. Is this a binding contract we're forming right now? Yes. Take my hand. It's recorded. Right, it. Deal. Deal. Okay. You um, guys have just brokered a truce yeah, on this, on this issue. We are now, happy, there's, happy to be there's involved. A, but there's a whole bunch of weird stuff like with like octopi, like with octopi stuff around the Ohio River. It can't, you know, it. I was down in, I want to say I was down in Alabama where I was, where I was at a, I was walking on some sort of like an exhibit at their zoo. And one of the people was talking about something that they found like with like underground cave systems is they found that they're, they're so massively connected and there's underwater cave systems that connect like the Gulf of Mexico mm-hmm. to like the Ohio river and parts of like mammoth cave, like under here. Mm-hmm. That so it's really surprise weird. me at all. Me either. You know, it was just, it was just, so it's, it's, it's weird. All the stuff that they're finding about that's like, you know, Places you didn't think were connected are suddenly connected now. It's de- it's definitely food for that's thought. That's really really neat because a cephalopod can work its way through some very tight mm-hmm. conditions. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, you know they're actually very smart creatures. They do like salt water though, so it yes, seems like it'd be too diluted. But I guess if it gets used to it after a while and it's you know gets used to the environment and just kind of moves up. I just right now I I see this like Sharknado octopus thing now. With the octopi coming through the river. Yes. A luska, a combination of a shark and an octopus. octopus. Paranormal creature we haven't talked about in a long time. But think about this. 
Sharks have been slowly adapting to adjust for longer and longer trips through um, through freshwater areas because they can get um, better hunting with less competition by going up rivers. We could be seeing a similar adjustment. Or squids are slowly becoming adjusted to coming up more and more into freshwater. And so, it's possible. So yeah. what are these octopus men then? They're, it's, it's, I mean, it's like any kind of like bat, think bat squatch. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, what was it? What's another, what's another type of squatch? Like goatman esque thing. But I mean, if, I mean, squatch. it's another type of thing, but think squid people. Okay. So would like the top be squid and the bottom be a person or the it's bottom be a squid, like, top be a person? Imagine the general form of a squid. Uh-huh. Now make two of the tentacles towards the bottom a little thicker so it can hold up the body like a set of legs. Okay. And then depending on account, give it some hands. Cool. When when can we expect this episode from you guys? Because I'm definitely tuning in for that. <laughs> oh man, it might be you know, sooner than you think, probably sooner than uh, sooner sooner than you think. No, but I did find a a record back from 2006 uh, that said that in uh, Jeffersonville, Indiana, a fisherman pulled a six foot octopus out of the Ohio River while fishing in an Indiana State Park that was the Falls of the Ohio State Park. It's so strange. I am at a loss to truly explain this phenomena, but I am convinced that this is a phenomena. Now, to be fair, the Ohio River is pretty big, and people dump a lot of crap in there, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Do you think true. people are consistently dumping octopi, though? To avoid jail? Yeah. There's a lot. There's a, dude, the exotic pet trade's huge, man. I'm just saying. I don't think it's legal to have an octopus or a squid. I don't know. I don't know the law on it. But think about how often you'd need to be dumping octopi to have someone catch one, because they're not going to survive in the Ohio River for long no. if they're, you know, normal tank-bred octopi. There, there are catfish that are bigger than people down there. You yes. think oh, they yeah. would eat that yes. up. They will eat one. And, like, I, I, I work a lot with aquatic fish and stuff. I, I have several fish tanks myself, and I'll tell you this. A regular tank-bred uh, fish exposed to wildlife conditions is not ready for that disease, bacteria, or pollution. Oh, it's no, not going to live. No, definitely not. Yeah, in this article, it was kind of funny. There's a, a gentleman by the name of Jeremy Biven. It says he's a, a state aquarium specialist. Said that to his guess was that it was probably put there deliberately, that uh, someone could have gotten it at Walmart. I don't, I don't know when the last time <laughs> I went to Walmart and found <laughs> All right. a squid. All right, let me said, tell you I'm something throw about this in the Ohio River. <laughs> what's this guy? What's his shield's name again? This what? guy's name is Jeremy Biven, and it says he's okay, a Jeremy state... Biven. If you're out there. <laughs> We want to let you know. You're on our list now. I'm just telling you right now. Tank experts. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I have been aquarium with several, yeah. Oh, yeah, several times to pet food stores. He knows more than all of them. Just, I had some, he has he has filtered water. Was that, that one day? Was, yeah. Yeah. So I just looked at him like he was confused. That's basic stuff. Well, that's recycled water. Recycled water. That's what it was. And this oh, person yes. had no idea what he was talking about. Yeah, and this article also says, well, even a few years after that, an American crocodile was found living in the river. So well, I mean, that it's makes like, sense. I mean, I would expect that more than I would squid, but uh, you know, I, I I didn't I didn't like the explanation that you can just go down to Walmart buy a squid and <laughs> and throw it into the river. And you can get, I mean, you can get a lot, I guess, but is it illegal to own those? An octopi? No. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've That's seen. Okay, I was doing research today, and I saw where you could buy one for your fish tank. And I was like, oh, that would be kind of fun. But it, maybe it's not legal. Well, just I don't eat know. Oh, no, no, no. Don't, it don't, probably don't fish tank an octopus. They're too smart. <laughs> get out. Yeah. They'll, they'll, it would come actually, out. It would do they'll actually get stuff. depressed. Probably. Like, 
Yeah, octopi are intelligent enough to recognize that they are <laughs> in an enclosure without enough stimuli. Will it actually change their behavior over time and start to show signs similar to depression in humans. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I could. I'd have the know-how to take care of one, anyways. So oh, but it'd be cool as hell if you could. Oh yeah. So with regard back to the oil pit squid, we have no idea what happened to this sample. It's no, kind no, of lost. Just, no, no I asked my dad out. about it, like what the what the word was around the plant, and he, most of what he said was he think. Was he said that people had sent stuff off to IU or not? I'm sorry, Purdue. Purdue, Purdue mm -hmm. was where they had thought that they had sent it off to, but nobody ever heard anything back with it. And I'm absolutely convinced that I think that a lot of times when you have uh, instances of like everybody hears like the men in black showing up to cover stuff up or whatever, I don't think that was the case that would happen here. I mean, truthfully, honestly, what I think actually happened was was I think the plant management got rid of it mm -hmm. and the and the locals kept it under wraps i think that's i think that's what happened there and this is one of those weird instances of like more like a bottom up sort of conspiracy that was going on to kind of keep things quiet because imagine say that like you that okay the plant of anderson employs literally like 60 percent of the town like one in three adults worked at that plant before it closed if the government came in and thought that they were like had like some sort of weird ooze they weren't keeping stuff like under like properly cleaned or whatever and they closed the plant how that would like just devastated the entire area and i absolutely believe that people would have covered this up in order to keep the plant open it was to their best interest to stay quiet absolutely 100 percent. another strange story that we ran across on your guys's website is that of static people and this one i think is really cool too it's also pretty obscure it's not very common but uh it's awesome okay i'll start this one out my very first paranormal encounter was with a static person. Okay. I think I had previously said that, like, it was around first grade, but I actually think it must have been pre-kindergarten. Because now I think about it, I remember the bookmobile at kindergarten coming along and there being a boogeyman book there. And looking at me going, that's not what he looks like. He looks like a big bunch of static. But to the story. Um, I was working in the barn. I grew up on a horse farm. And I was working in the barn and me and my dad and my mom decided that we were going to go take a nap. And I was young enough that I'd still take naps in their bed if it was during the day. So I just kind of crashed in there with them and something just kind of caught my attention. And I look up at the foot of the bed and kind of slowly rising up at the foot of the bed is a full silhouette of an individual. But everything was just made of moving static. And that scared the hell out of me. Did you wake your parents up screaming or? Truth, I, I didn't scream. I know that much. I, I kind of more froze. And I can't remember if I tried to wake my parents up and they wouldn't wake up or if I just didn't even try. And I, what I do remember is curling big. I basically, I don't know where this thing went because I didn't keep an eye on it. I just got under the covers and hit. And I did not fall back asleep. I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> and... I basically, when my parents woke up, I tried to tell them about it. They told me I was dreaming. I tried to point out I, I've been awake since that happened. But that was my very first paranormal encounter. And it was, for me as a young man, very intense. But it also sparked me a, a big curiosity in this sort of thing. Would you have described it as humanoid? Oh, very, very. It was definitely humanoid. Shoulders, um, pronounced neck, head. It looked just like a human silhouette. You said it came up. Do you mean like came up out of the ground or just? Well, just you got to remember there. I was laying on the bed, so I couldn't see the ground. But when I noticed it, it was slowly like I, I didn't see it wasn't moving long enough for me to establish if it was 
just sitting up like it was crouched or if it was like two dimensionally moving up. But it was definitely in motion for a part of it. And what did you think it was? I thought it was the boogeyman. I was convinced yeah. that I have found the boogeyman. It's real. He's there. He, <laughs> he, he doesn't only come out at night. He apparently comes out during the day, too. <laughs> and I was convinced for a long time that that was the boogeyman. Weird guy made of static. Were there any distinguishing features, eyes, ears, nose, mouth, uh, anything at all? Everything was static. Uh, basically, the only thing that existed was the that had definition was the silhouette. Everything else then was static. Um, but it did have a very precise silhouette, though. Was there a hat or clothes you could tell or just? No f- hat or clothes that I could make out. No notable hair either, just a round head. And what color of static? Gray and black. So like regular kind of like television type static that you oh, yeah. see on a, a channel that's not quite working? Oh, yeah. It, it was exactly like that. And I had never heard of these creatures or entities before but apparently it's a thing i had thought i was the only person who had ever encountered one until i was on a guest spot with knock once for yes and lil had asked me what my first paranormal experience was and i told her basically the story i told you and then she goes oh my god and she tells me her paranormal experience with one as well and that's when i found out other people have seen these things yeah, I was kind of surprised when we, because uh, I had not heard of this before, and uh, your description is kind of right on with what other people describe seeing, and your description of this occurring at a young age, I think you said you were under five, where mm-hmm. these seem to be associated with kids more often than not, where you know children between the ages of three and eight seem to see these for some reason. You know, it makes you wonder. Because a lot of a lot of children see things more than adults because they're willing to say what they see. But I, it's almost like they're focusing on children. And that right there is really scary. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the most frightening things when you look at a paranormal case is always when they target children. Yes. I mean, it's not comfortable when it's an adult, but when it's a child, you know, that's just a whole new level of bad. <laughs> but isn't that our next episode? What? Like... Paranormal creatures stealing children. No, we're doing fairies. Yeah. Well, they well still probably children. stealing. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, which steal kids commonly. Yeah, it's true. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. That's how it started. Then we evolved in fairies. Yes, true. But no, no, Vic's description of, of like stealing uh, people made of TV static is something that's very, um, very common. Not a lot of people know about it. In fact, we, uh, I think it was after, it was, it was when we, did we do the video? No, we, we interviewed, we interviewed not once for yes after we had made that video. Uh, Vic, no, 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 I yeah. think it's the other way around. I think we did the video with Knock Once for Yes, and then uh, yeah, yeah, that may have, that may have was sparked to you after you said it. Because for years, Vic was dragging his feet. I said we should do a video about this. He's like, Nah, I want to do a video on this. So finally, <laughs> well, like, I didn't, I didn't want to do a video <laughs> on something only like, I had seen. Is, I don't want to do that, even though we talk about like the strangest stuff. But I'm not. That's not my business. <laughs> so I'm going to jump in here, and I'm just going to say, Knock Once for Yes is a great paranormal podcast, and you guys should definitely check them out. Lil Fitz. We love you guys. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. They are good people. Gold standard <laughs> ghost hunters. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I'm telling you. And, and podcast. Absolutely. Um, and after that was when we when uh, Vic agreed to for us to do a, a YouTube video on them. And then we did. And then what surprised us the most about it was literally we started getting, getting tons of these comments from people saying, oh, my God, I'd never you know, you know, I'd, I thought I was the only one. Nobody else is talking about this. 
you know, you know, I saw these two and they would tell us their stories and, you know, in the, in the comments and whatnot. And it was all very, very, very similar to what Vic was talking about. Like many of his stories, we talk about young kids seeing them like these sort of watcher esque like static people. I was, was surprised when I checked your guys' channel out today, just uh, how many actual comments that you had on there of people that had had these types mm-hmm. of experience. And uh, I ran across one, if you don't mind me sharing it. It was uh, yeah, Sabrina Rain. It says, mm-hmm. uh, I used to see these when I was a kid, but it stopped around puberty. They were mm-hmm. almost exactly like you guys explained in the video. 2D, soundless, status figures with no features. They always just watched me. I was scared, sure, but I always knew they weren't there to harm me. What is different in my experience is that they were blue, static, and often took the form of people that I knew. So mm-hmm. uh, there were a couple other uh, people on there talking about different colors, yellow, blue. I know, Vic, you described yours as being uh, gray. just kind of like normal black, kind of yeah. black and mm-hmm. gray. So what do you guys think about the colors? Absolutely. I got one. Okay. So me and Vic, honest to God, had not talked about these guys till probably till we had lunch. Did. Oh, <laughs> is this a conversation we had over lunch? Yeah. So, so we were talking about this. So we, cause we had, we had like, like I had been collecting stories for these just on my own, just for a while, just so that it would happen. Um, about why people see them just in different colors and why people see them as TV static. So one of my one of my thoughts that I that I had was, you know, they they remind me a little bit of uh, um, a little bit of screen memories because if you think about like when people talk about some of the screen memories that they have involving UFOs, there's usually some something in the memory that is slightly off like what was it? standing deer is one of them mm-hmm. or like yeah. deers running owls. like on, yeah owls mm-hmm. that are just that are just off the, there's something just off kilter about so one of the things that i had thought about and i and i thought about is like what if what static people are is like they're putting a memory in their head but they have to replace it with something and a lot of the reasons why people think screen memories don't make mm-hmm. sense is because whatever's abducting us aliens or whatever entities whatever thing it is doesn't quite understand human interaction necessarily it doesn't quite get it that's why it's off mm-hmm. is if you think about when we were kids in that age like if you're in that 30 year range what do we do we're watching tv we're watching static so like maybe like what they think is like if there's nothing there what should be there tv static like that's what should be there so like that's why they're seeing tv static because there's because they're removing that 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 there's nothing there you don't need there you saw nothing and that's why let, it comes up as tv static let me make sure i'm following you that whatever's creating the screen memory is just trying to project in your mind nothingness. Yes. And since the mind can't cope with nothingness, it's filling it with something more like, familiar representing nothing. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now, as as time, the reason about why TV static is a thing is TV static is when, you know, your antenna is not picking up anything and it's just picking up background radiation, right? Mm-hmm. Well, as time moves on and we move into HDMI, like we move into like digital Okay, you don't see TV static as much anymore. What does it do? It shifts to a different color. Yeah, blue like, screen. You know, blue or yeah. goes yellow. It goes to some sort of like solid color, which makes me wonder if Pete, when people are seeing some of these like bluish or yellowish esque or reddish esque like static people, is that something that's similar? Like, are they just, you know, is this like an evolution over time of, mm-hmm. of that sort of a type of a screen memory? Now, is that really scary for you, Vic, now? To think about uh, this yeah, like, no, <laughs> the alien abduction yeah. going on. <laughs> First, I do not open the abduction box. I live much better not knowing if it's ever happened. No, because I if get I ever that. I get box, that. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad. I'm glad you understand. Yeah. No. <laughs> but, okay. I. 
You got, you got another theory. I'm going to say this: that it definitely was not abduction. I did not get that because I do not want. I do not care to personally open the box. <laughs> no, but, no memory regression therapy for you on this, right? Not on that. <laughs> Vic was not probed. <laughs> oh yeah, no. I, I I would hate to be one of those people who's aware that they're being abducted. Oh yeah. Because think about how scary that is. That this thing's going to come and you don't have the power to stop it. Yeah. That's one of the few instances I prefer to remain ignorant. Uh-huh. <laughs> but in general, yeah, that does make me wonder what it was, but it definitely was not alien abduction. Uh, let, let me throw you out another theory. When you look into um, when you look into a TV and you're seeing static, you're basically looking at the background radiation of the universe. Mm-hmm. That, that is just what it's picking up. Yes. I actually looked that up today because I wanted to kind of know what television static was. And it's, it's oh, yeah. a combination yeah. Of thermal noise, radio waves, and cosmic microwave background noise. And I don't know what percentage it is of those things, but all three of those things is kind of what makes up TV static. But perhaps since when, when we were young, we had TVs that did static. And effectively, we're looking at a visual representation of this background radiation of the universe, a certain percentage of it being made up of the leftovers of the Big Bang. Perhaps where you have a, when you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back into you scenario. That you're staring at the universe in its electrical essence. Mm-hmm. And perhaps the universe then appears to you in that electrical essence. Yeah. I don't know why it would. Just a crazy theory no. that pops into my no, head. It, but It makes sense to me. We talk about it all the time in the paranormal. So, how many people had zero paranormal experiences the second that they start looking into the paranormal, they start having paranormal experiences. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you're staring at a TV static, which a lot of us did as kids, you know, that's why they all told us we'd go blind or whatever. If we stare that close <laughs> at it, what are you staring at? You're staring at leftoverness from the Big Bang. One of the only events, which we're not 100% sure, was some way, like some sort of supernatural event that occurs. You're looking at literally the leftover effect of a hand of some divine being, maybe. Mm-hmm. And we know that, you know, things like EMFs, electromagnetic right. fields and stuff like that affect people in different ways. Right. And those can come across as very paranormal type experiences as well. Oh, yeah. I think one of the theories on the Dyatlov Pass is that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that it would cause that. That was a cause that people. So, I mean, the more that you would stare at that sort of thing, the more that you're exposed to it, it'll just start causing paranormal experiences with you. You'll start seeing things. Mm-hmm. Another thought that I had was uh, we did a show on scrying and, uh, you know, basically a television is nothing more than a black reflective mirror. Oh, my God. That is one. That's a theory I've been talking about for years. <laughs> I love you. You're amazing. And it, I, TV screen is a black mirror. Go ahead, Vic. Take it away. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry. I'm just so excited that someone else has kind of touched on this. That much like um, John D's black mirror that he would mm-hmm. use for scrying. That when you stare into it, it'll allow you to peer into usually darker places of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, that effectively, every TV is its own black mirror, and we are all constantly staring into it. <laughs> this We are generally every day performing what is considered a occultic act without even realizing <laughs> yeah. it. And even when, um, and when you stare at a TV for too long, your eyes go into a degree of optical paralysis, mm-hmm. which that's why everything else seems to fade away when you think about when you're watching TV. You don't remember seeing the TV and the wall and everything else. Mm-hmm. And when you're looking at scrying practices involving black mirrors, your goal is to reach a level of optical paralysis before the mystical effects can happen. 
Sorry, I, I I love you for also no. coming to that conclusion with it's me. A, it's a very cool theory. It's a very cool thought, and I'm glad we're on the same page with that. Well, you mentioned something else, Eric, um, that when we're watching people on TV, we are watching past events. How did you explain it, Eric? Well, it's not easy to explain, per se, but, uh, I mean, really what a television signal is, is it's a digital copy of something that has been recorded produced into an analog or a digital signal, and then sent out to the world to be picked up by a radio receiver. So that was kind of uh, based upon my initial thought, where people might just be acting as antennas, Mm -hmm. and they're able or sensitive in some way to pick up on these signals, which would result in them seeing a television-like image, uh, but uh, not necessarily uh, a static person, but a actual event that was recorded well, and then they're just you, able to pick up you know if you listen to people who talk about ghost phenomenon and you talk about like how like particular tragedies are so bad they leave this ripple they leave this mm-hmm. effect they leave an imprint on something okay if you think about tv works you literally are watching some sort of sometimes very passionate very mm-hmm. traumatic event recreated on tv they're trying to make it as real mm-hmm. as possible and they send that through with radio space and they send that out and in, and in like in, in, in to, to different people's TVs, you know, a lot of times. And a lot of times I wonder whether or not if what static people are, sometimes there are some echoes mm-hmm. of some of yes. these like traumatic events, like some of that emotion that's just picking up. That's just sort of residual. That's there. I like that yes. so much more than I potentially got abducted. Yes. I like that too. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I mean, that's, that's always what they're trying to do. People said that I can feel the emotion. I could feel this. Right? Yes. You know, you watch people have I've seen deaths of like if you think about like when Sirius Black and Harry Potter's dies and how much mm-hmm. that impacted people like worldwide. You knew why do you have when, to bring that up? When <laughs> like how much that affected people like yes. that kind of an event and like you're gonna tell me that in some way, shape, or form that it can't get so impactful that in some way it can't affect like like a real emotional like backlash. You're getting into across the area here. Shush, stop it. <laughs> well, They're not here. I can't watch certain things if they're sad. Yeah, because, you know, I have enough, you know, depression going on myself. I don't need to add depression to it. I don't need to add someone else's, you know, and a lot of and some people really understand this and some people don't. But it's interesting how, you know, you bring that up and it is almost like watching experience of the paranormal where something tragic is replaying. And that is, you know, you can replay it over and over and over again. It's like an echo. It's like an emotional echo. Maybe that's what yes. static people are. They are that emotional echo. Yeah, I, I like that. Thought. in this episode, we didn't talk about any of these things in our last episode. We've had just time to mull all these over since then. That is a much better thought than it being alien or interdimensional beings or demons or jinns or ghosts or anything like that. I mean, it let's, could be let's, anything. Let's, really. let's just go with that. They're echoes. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why you guys come to Perry Lane Par- Paranormal Podcast or Talking with Shadows because we we get way beyond that. We're, we're way deeper than we're. Yeah. The, the final the final thought that I have on it is, is I guess, something that's really interesting in the paranormal is a lot of times people don't know. And one of the things that we found is people don't know about static people is because people on in the paranormal are often using different language. Yeah. So one of the things that we found was maybe they had a static person in the store, but they didn't call them static people stores. Mm-hmm. They called them something else like TV men, static entities, dark snowmen. Was or, one that I that I've seen that I've picked demons. up. You could say it's yeah, a demons. Demon. Um, yeah, they've picked up all these other things. So a lot of people are talking about a lot of things like this, but they're just using different words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of the other words that I found in my research was like, like people calling them static things or static humanoids. 
So uh, they fall under several different categories, just like you're saying there. But if you bring it out, you know, like Vic found out, he wasn't the only one. So yeah, if you talk about these I'm just things, glad I'm not alone. Well, based upon uh, all of the re- comments that I saw on your guys' YouTube channel, you definitely are not alone, Vic. There's uh, at least a dozen people there that had similar encounters to exactly what you had. And how many people don't want to come forward and had encounters too? Oh, I'm sure there's oh, tons. Sure. Yeah. So, so speaking of paranormal experiences, we heard that uh, that you two have had a few. Um, is there anything yeah. that you'd want to share? Yeah, I'll do. I'll do mine real quick because I know mm-hmm. you, you shared your, your your static people one. Uh, we we did an investigation over Mammoth Cave. Mm-hmm. On the Mammoth Cave, we did a was it a, a Mammoth Cave Baptist Church. We were out there uh, doing an investigation of the church that's out there. It's supposedly it's haunted. There's ghosts. You can hear like faint music and things like that. So we're out there. It's me, Vic, and a friend of ours, uh, Ruby Bruckman from Mount Vernon Paranormal. And uh, it's an open clearing, very big expanse, cemetery, old church. And I'm in the middle of the the cemetery with Vic. Vic's way ahead of me. And Ricky is way, way behind me. <laughs> and because this is relevant, because as Vic's ahead of me and I'm walking behind him, I feel something hit my back. And when I turn around, there's a big piece of dead wood mm. that's laying right behind me that I've had to have stepped over, and so I didn't step over. It was a pretty big blow then. Yeah, well, I mean, it didn't like hurt, but I felt yeah. something like okay. tap my back like it hit my back. Okay. And then when I turned around, like... A lot, lot of layers of fat for that wood. Yeah, it's for that to go. <laughs> it's very, you know, a lot of armor, a lot of natural armor. Um, and I turn around, and it's laying there. Now, you know, a lot of people say, like, you know, Ricky could have thrown it. Ricky, for two things. One, was very far away. And has a lot of skills. Athleticism is not one of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at least for that far of a throw. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, sure. <laughs> for that far of a throw that it would have taken. Um, and we were out there like one in the morning. There was nobody else that would have been out there messing with mm-hmm. us. And, uh, you know, this just large piece of dead wood just hits me. Did you have any feelings at the time? Like, was there a feeling of fear or is it just, what is this? This is curious. I was ready to throw my hands with a ghost. I was pretty at that point. Yeah. I have very weird reactions <laughs> when it comes to it. Like, I, I was ready to, I was very. I was, he was worked up. I was. I Well, because I turned around and they're like, it was, it was probably definitely one of the most intense paranormal experiences that I've had, at least out on investigation. Mm-hmm. And it was very, very weird. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. It was weird. And, you know. It was See, very this unsettling. is why you need a body cam as well. When we go on paranormal investigations, I have a body cam. It was on. behind me. You wear one forward and you wear one backward. It was behind me. How would I have caught that? He said one forward, one backwards. You're walking You're around like camera. one of those weird people, like just the camera just pointed like way out in front See, of you. See, once you put the camera on, nothing will happen, right? No, Vic's looking like what's that kid's name in the Goonies that walked around with the camera all the weird camera and what his name yes. was. It looks like him just with the camera just way out in front of him. And I'm like, you know, like looking goofy. And I'm just like walking behind him to shake my head, then I just get hit by dead wood. I should have one on my back now, I guess. Yeah. Uh, probably one of the weirdest things was was Vic and Ricky didn't know about the uh, supposedly hearing ghost music out there, mm-hmm. and they one of them I don't know if it was, it was you me. yeah commented on the hearing uh, like like organ music while we were out there yeah mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere that's odd nowhere oh, yeah, it was in the middle of the woods. Do you guys have any upcoming investigations? Uh, we need to plan another one, but uh, I'm still kind of sapped from being I've, I've been sick for uh, about the last three weeks. And my system's still kind of shot, so I can't really get out and move around a whole lot right now. But so we've had to kind of push off all of our current plans. But once I recover, 
I think we'll probably hit out there again. Maybe I would like to take you out to Bulldog Bridge where um, me and another one of our friends who's an investigator has some weird things go on. (laughs) Do you guys ever have stuff follow you home? I mean, we've had stuff follow us home before. Do you guys ever have that? Once we we did this investigation with a family that had like a shadow person encounter, and then I had an instance of sleep paralysis the following night. Probably the only instance that I've ever could think of that. I used to have it happen all the time, but I'm one of those people who will go out all the time on paranormal investigations. But uh, my wife Ellie has kind of ghost proofed our house as much as anyone can possibly do it. And I haven't had anything follow me home in literally years. Also, we have a rule whenever we go out and paranormal investigate, you never go straight home. We always go to a neutral area mm-hmm. and hang out there for a while. I've never heard of that before. That's actually a good idea. That's a oh, yeah. smart idea. Yes, yeah, it's a good idea. Also, yeah. Also, I have a, tr- a tip that I work to. I think a whole lot of intent and how you feel about a lot of things often impacts like whether or not stuff follows you home, Mm -hmm. uh, what you think will work. So I have a freestanding appointment like 10 seconds before I walk in my door where I just turn around and yell to any and just think that things that's going to come into my house that it's not welcome. That's why your neighbors think you're crazy. (laughs) You know what? That's why the neighbors can be haunted by poltergeist ghosts, shadow people. (laughs) But you're not going to. Not my house. You can go over there. Vic, Marcus, it has been a pleasure having you guys on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Do you guys uh, have anything coming up that you want to tell our audience about? Yeah, uh, make sure that you guys go over to uh, to our check out our podcast. Mm-hmm. We're wrapping up our month long talk where we're talking about like strange, mysterious appearances. We're about to do Faye. That's going to be the one that we're going to be talking about and i think next month our whole theme of our of our uh, podcast is going to be hairy humanoids patrons usually vote on what they're going to be so it's probably going to be hairy humanoids coming up so i think there's going to be a lot of fun stuff that we're going to talk about for that all right guys tell our audience one more time where they can find your shows absolutely so if you want to watch all of our youtube videos we're on youtube one candle society that's how you can find us on youtube you get all of our uh case paranormal case files that we've ever done as well as all of our episodes of our podcast if you want to check out our podcast talking with shadows all you got to do is go over to any major platform. We're on there, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, um, and that's where you can find us on there. So we really want to thank you guys for letting us come on. We really oh, yeah. appreciate it a lot. You guys have been awesome and fun to talk to. This oh, has been well, a thanks. blast. Yeah. We appreciate you guys yeah, being on. Yeah, thanks for reaching out to us. That's going to do it for us, folks. We will see you next time. Thanks again, Vic and Marcus. All right, folks. That's the end of this episode. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you listening. If you have enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing through your favorite podcast player. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And remember that if you've had a paranormal experience that you would like to share, you can email us at prairielandparanormalpodcast at gmail.com or you can submit that experience through our website at www.prairielandparanormalpodcast.com. So, until next time, remember, don't be normal when you can be paranormal.